Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday morning as I am recording this. Uh, pretty late. Uh, wanted to get this one out, of course, uh, talking about the Denver Nuggets and how they absolutely decimated the New York Knicks behind a dominant Nikola Jokic performance. It was incredible to watch him in that first quarter. Went to the game, sat next to a colleague and friend, Jenna Garcia, and we had a ball. We had a great time watching Nikola Jokic just go to work, do his thing, and basically uh, destroy the Knicks before they even got out of the gate, before they were even ready. So it was very cool to watch him. Very cool to see how this team responded after a tough loss to the Los Angeles Lakers. They come back out and they play really well, led by Jokic, who just absolutely put on a show. Austin Rivers also had a big game against his former team, and that was really, really impressive. And then Faku Campazo, he put on a performance of a lion as the Nuggets blow out the Knicks 113 to 97. Score is way closer than the actual game. This was not close. The Nuggets won this game in the first quarter really in the first eight minutes. It was awesome. It was very, very cool. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what went well, uh, one of the big concerns that I have after this game, and uh, just just giving some credit to all the Nuggets that really helped step up tonight. This was awesome. This was a really good performance. And it's very important that the Nuggets banked this win heading into a really tough stretch on Friday and Saturday against the Utah Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets. We don't know how healthy those teams are going to be. We certainly know that the Nuggets are not going to be healthy. So, you got to bank the wins while you can. And this was a win against a clearly inferior team. We're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it now. Got to start off by talking about Nikola Jokic, of course. He was the story tonight. Despite the fact that there were a couple of other really, really impressive performances, Nikola Jokic was the story. In that first quarter, he was as dominant as we have ever seen. 24 points. Season high for points in a quarter league-wide is 25. Jokic nearly broke that. Had he made his two free throws, uh, not two free throws, had he made two free throws that he missed, he would have broken that record in this season. He was awesome, and it was clear from the jump that there was nobody on the New York Knicks that could really bother him, that could get in his way. He had four dunks, got wherever he wanted to go on the floor. Uh, Nerlens Noel came back for this game and did not matter. Taj Gibson came into this game. He got into foul trouble quickly. Uh, Julius Randle barely defended him. It was really just uh, Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson. They very rarely doubled, for whatever reason, and Jokic went to work because of it. It was awesome. It was great. It was a it was a very odd move, I would say, for Tom Thibodeau, a really, really impressive defensive coach, to just kind of let Jokic go off. It was very odd. But Jokic had four dunks, which is a career high in a in a game. And he had them all in the first quarter. He was doing awesome. He was doing great. Got to the free throw line several times as well. Uh there was a like the Nuggets got into the bonus very quickly because they tried to post up uh, 
they tried to post up Aaron Gordon on RJ Barrett several times and RJ Barrett got into quick foul trouble. And so the Nuggets, they were in the bonus pretty early on in this game. And Jokic took advantage of it. They couldn't really stop him. And when they tried to stop him, they would hack him. And he didn't even have to shoot in order to get two free throws. It was gold. It was great for Denver. He wasn't really trying to look for calls anyway. He was just trying to get to the place that he needed to go. And the Knicks couldn't stop him at all. There was a difference between foul hunting and what Jokic was doing tonight, which really was just being unstoppable where the only option was to foul. It was very cool. Um, MPJ, after the game, when asked what's it, what it's like when Jokic just gets like that, he said, we can just chill. And it's true. He was talking about how when Jokic goes down to the post, they just have to be shot ready from, from the opposite side of the floor. But it was a great game for Denver to just be able to sit back and watch their MVP candidate go to work. Because what he does, and what he is able to consistently do against a really, really good defense and just picking them apart by picking on their weakest link, that was great. It was exactly what Denver needed. He also did some really great stuff defensively, too. He contested so many shots in that first quarter. He ultimately ended up with two steals and two blocks, but it felt like in that first quarter, the Knicks would go at him. And he would stop everything. There was a time late in that first quarter where they had six points. The Knicks did with like four minutes to go. It was awesome. Frankly, it was very, very, very cool. Um, Jokic grabbed 12 rebounds in this game. The Knicks starters, they had just two offensive rebounds total. He controlled the glass. The Nuggets as a team controlled the glass, but I think Jokic is the biggest catalyst for that. They couldn't get under the rim for those easy putbacks. They were very rare, at least. And the Nuggets, they scored 34 points. Nikola, he had 24 of those. The Knicks, they scored 12. So at the end of that first quarter, it was a 22-point margin. Jokic doubled up the Knicks by himself. And Denver, they really just put this game away quickly. As I've mentioned before, the Knicks, they had those three fouls. In like the first 28 seconds of this game, Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau, God, Thibodeau gets a technical foul for whatever reason. I'm not sure what he was arguing. There were clearly fouls. And I turned to Jenna Garcia right then, said, this game's going to be a blowout. Why are we even here? And it was pretty clear, pretty evident to that point. I posted on Twitter that this game was going to be a blowout. A lot of people thought I was going to jinx it. This was never going to be jinxed, people. Like, the Knicks, they know one mode, and it's to go hard and just run through a wall. But Julius Randle couldn't run through Paul Millsap and then Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon at the rim. Neither could RJ Barrett. And they didn't have the outside shooting and the, the capability to go any other direction. The Nuggets, very perfect kryptonite for what the Knicks do. The Knicks, they're also really clearly in a bad headspace. I don't know what it was about tonight's game, but they were very argumentative. They were very mad, and it was just very clear. They were not going to play well. They scored 97 points at this one. There were a lot of concession baskets given up at the end. 
Denver's defense, they were great in this one. Awesome. But it really always does come back to Nikola Jokic. And for good reason. He was voted the best player in the league. Or he... I, not voted the... Oh, he was voted the best player in the league by the ringer earlier this week. They conducted a, a survey between several of their writers, and they voted Jokic. John Hollinger of The Athletic, he said as much in his piece, that he could definitely be the best player in the league. I think that he is the best. I am noted biased. But I think there's a really good argument for it that the way that he does this, the way that he leverages opposing teams, there is no way that the Knicks were going to win this game because Nikola Jokic did what he did. There are very few teams in the NBA, very few players in the NBA, that can do that on a consistent basis. And Jokic is one of those few. And he's doing it with now Michael Porter at the two, along with Aaron Gordon at the three, Paul Millsap at the four, and Faku Campazzo at the one. Shaq Harrison and Austin Rivers are playing major roles. Denver, they are just doing a great job. And they have surrounded Nikola Jokic with excellent defensive pieces. And Jokic is carrying them offensively. That's really where we're at with this. And he is doing an unbelievable job of it. He's awesome. We are lucky to have him. He's going to win MVP. I was pretty lippy on Twitter tonight. Where I basically said, oh man, MVP favorite Chris Paul. Really, uh, really did a bad job tonight in, in a blowout loss to the to the Atlanta Hawks on the road. Uh, obviously, I'm joking there. That's a parody. Uh, Kendrick Perkins keeps saying online that he thinks that CP3 should be the front runner. If it were just him, I wouldn't say anything. But it really isn't just him. There are a lot of people that believe that. There are a lot of people that are saying that. There are a lot of people that think that Nikola Jokic isn't the MVP. And they're wrong. He's going to win it. It's going to be awesome. We are all going to celebrate him. And I cannot wait to do so. Because how often have Denver fans been been able to celebrate anything like him before? How many players in Denver sports history have been this good? Think back to uh, Peyton Manning in 2013 where he led the Broncos and did a really nice job of just kind of torching defenses at that point, scored or threw for 50 touchdowns. What Nathan McKinnon is doing right now is really impressive, but is that at the level of what Nikola Jokic is doing? I don't know. I'm not that into hockey, so I, I, I'll leave that to the experts. Anything MLB-wise? No, nothing really compares to what Jokic is doing right now. It really is incredible. We are lucky to have him. And the ceiling is the roof at this point with him. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows how Denver is going to do in the playoffs because they don't know how to properly evaluate this dude. He is incredible. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the other players who performed well. But first, this podcast is once again sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. This weekend, going to be a big, respected fight uh, on Saturday night in the ring. No better place to get in on the action 
then at DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app for this weekend. All new users have a shot at turning $1 into $55. If you haven't signed up for DraftKings, then this is a really good opportunity to do it. DraftKings is offering new op, is offering, excuse me, new users the opportunity to get 55 to 1 odds on either of the main event fighters in this weekend's fight. That's right. $1 if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash out $55 cash out. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings.com has even more ways for you to make it rain. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right. They're going to do it. $55 when placing a bet of just $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. and roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. I got this new microphone and and I listened back to the first episode. It sounds pretty good. So if you have any um, any ideas, I've I've got the new Blue Yeti mic. So it's been great. I've I've really enjoyed it. It's a nice slate gray color and uh, I think it sounds pretty good. So my voice definitely sounds a lot better on this one than it did on the, the previous microphone that I was using. So thank you so much for all of your support. It means that I can do this. It is awesome. Let's talk about Faku. Faku is the next big thing that I want to talk about. He was awesome. Michael Malone went out of his way when to be asked about Faku Campazzo specifically in the postgame. He basically called out our, our Argentine reporter and said, I want my first question to be from Esteban Abed, who is uh, from Cordova, Argentina. It's awesome. He's doing great. Uh, he's put up big-time numbers, and he has big-time heart. I mean, it's, it's undeniable at this point. Just reading off the stat line. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 steals, 2 blocks. 5 steals and 2 blocks at 5-9. That is incredible. So plus 14 tonight. Uh, 16 points on 12 shots. 2 of 7 from the 3-point line. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's taking those threes. The Nuggets need to space the floor. They need to have those opportunities because, especially like, if Denver's going to start three forwards, one guard and Jokic, they need the guard, in this case Faku, to be a perimeter threat. And he did it. He was awesome. Um, There was one time where he was driving down the middle of the lane and it looked like the sea was parting and he was going to get up there and get a, get a nice little, uh, get a nice little finish in transition. And then he got swatted half to hell uh, by, by, I think it was Julius Randall on the weak side. Uh, I didn't see him. I was kind of, I didn't have the angle to see him and clearly neither did Faku. Uh, but Faku is fearless. He keeps going in there, uh, full tilt. 
And it's a little bit scary because given that Denver already has injuries to four of their guards, you do not want to see Faku go down in addition to that. He is a very big safety blanket right now for Michael Malone and for Nikola Jokic because Jokic trusts him to make good plays in a way that he doesn't necessarily trust Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, or Millsap. So you need somebody like Faku to be able to kind of share the load. Faku did a really nice job of setting up other guys so that Jokic didn't have to all night. That's a really important piece of this. But also, it's just the defense and the effort. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify some of that stuff sometimes. But the big-time heart thing is a really, really big deal. And he doesn't get enough credit for that. I haven't given him enough credit for that. Uh, a lot of times, as my job as an analyst, I have to kind of see through what something looks like to find out what it actually is. And so a lot of people, they hate me for that. They hate stats people for that because we're pretty cold and calculating in a lot of those cases. What people don't really realize is that I I actually really do like Faku. He's nice. He's sweet. He's a a really, really good person. And he's just, just happy to be here. Gives his all. That is awesome. And against a team like the Knicks right now, he showed them who was boss. Alfred Payton. Uh, Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quigley, guys like that. He did a great job against those guys. And that was really important. That was what Denver needed. They didn't need a lot around Jokic, but they needed somebody who could score. And Faku putting up 16 points, also grabbing nine rebounds. He out-rebounded, I think, everybody on the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the highest guy on the Knicks was Julius Randle with eight. That is exactly what you're looking for. The Nuggets rebounded. They got 64 rebounds tonight to the Knicks 42. And Faku grabbed nine of those. Seven on the defensive end. A lot of those were the long rebounds from the threes or the the jumpers that bounced uh, towards the top of the key. He ran those down and made sure to collect those. It was a big reason why the Knicks only had six offensive rebounds. That helps win games. And I just want people to know that I am crediting Faku for that. He's done a great job. He deserves all of the praise. It's not going to, I'm not going to refrain from criticizing him in the future if I think that he deserves criticism. Like, I still have to do my job. But he's doing a great thing. And he is doing awesome right now. He's playing better as a starter than he was as a bench guy. And I think that matters. So. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to see what Denver does. Uh, There are going to be some games upcoming where teams are going to go at him. And so we're going to see how he can handle that. But I'm looking forward to it. He should be fun. Now let's talk about Austin Rivers, who was also very good tonight. 25 points on six made threes against his old team this season. The New York Knicks, they traded him earlier this year. They traded him to the Thunder. And the Thunder cut him. The Thunder didn't want Austin Rivers on their team. The Knicks didn't want him on their team anymore. Because the Knicks didn't acquire anybody that made them better. That's that's for sure. Like all the guys on their team right now. All the guys that, that they did play. None of those guys came from that deal. 
they decided to go a different route than him. They wanted to commit to a different style to open up minutes for Derrick Rose. Good on them. They probably did the right thing there. But Austin Rivers, he got them back a little bit. 25 points. Uh, He also had three assists, three rebounds, and three steals. Seven of 13 from the field, six of nine from three, five of six from the free throw line. Just an all-around great shooting performance from him. That's exactly what you want to see. You want to see a guy like him be able to be aggressive, have the willingness to take those shots, and then once you see one go through the net, you feel pretty good about the rest of them too. The Nuggets needed to see this from him, and I think Rivers needed to see it too. He had been struggling. There's no question about it. The weakest part of his game was his outside shooting at this point. So seeing six of nine go through the th- go through the three uh, through the rim, that is really really helpful, and it'll probably give Denver even more confidence to play him going forward. And that is really important because especially when you're down as many guards as you are, he's going to get those opportunities. He has a lot of pressure on him with all of these guards out. But tonight, he rose to the occasion really well. In addition, he just continues to really be great. Great. A1. Perfect tier. With the media. He's insightful. He's well-spoken. He just seems like a really, really good person who has learned a lot in his journey. And he's sharing it. He's being very open and honest. And talking with Mike Singer postgame, said he just holds court there. It's very similar to what Will Barton does, but even more so with Rivers. Like, it's just very impressive to listen to him. He sounds like a coach's son through and through, and just like somebody who understands who he is and has gained a larger understanding and is very confident in who he is as a player. He had that shaken from him when he was cast aside by the Knicks and the Thunder and the rest of the league. So, finding a role in Denver, I think that has really, really helped him. And it's helped the Nuggets. It's been a a great reciprocant for both teams. I hope the Nuggets keep him around. He has earned it, I would say. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how they handle some of that. But I do think that he has earned some of those opportunities. We'll see. Um, Let's talk about MPJ. He's another guy who I think deserves some talking about. It's an understated performance from him, but 17 points on 12 shots, 7 of 12, 3 of 6 from 3. He had 6 rebounds, 3 assists. I thought he was solid. I thought there wasn't a lot for him to do tonight, and he didn't force it. He was able to kind of sit back and watch Jokic cook for a little bit, but then when his opportunities came up, he took advantage of them. I also thought that he kind of stood aside a little bit while they were trying to force feed Aaron Gordon a little bit, Paul Millsap a little bit. Millsap had 13 shots. Gordon had only six, but it felt like he had a lot more opportunities than that that he squandered. Gordon only took, or Porter only took 12 shots, and he could have taken more, but kind of sat back, chilled a little bit, like he said. Gave up a couple threes on the defensive end, but he was largely good defensively as well. He was a team-leading plus 24 in the plus-minus. And that seems pretty frequent. Like, that happens a lot. 
for when the Nuggets are playing well. When he is playing well, he's having that positive halo effect for Denver's entire team, for their spacing. That's exactly what you want to see because he's a guy who has had a surprisingly high impact on the players around him, despite the fact that he doesn't really pass and play make that much. He has an uplifting effect because of how much attention he pulls and some of his, his, his physical talents. He also had an assist tonight where he was playing that two-man weave up top in the half court with Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers had a dribble drive, kicked it out to him. Porter was patient, drove to the nail again, and, and once he saw the defense collapse, uh, Rivers relocated and Michael Porter found him. Those two are getting some good chemistry, and I wonder if when Denver is asked in the playoffs to survive some minutes without Michael Por- or without Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter's probably going to be out there. And I would guess that Austin Rivers is going to be out there too. I think he's earned that opportunity. And I think that those two, they look for each other now. So it's very cool. Very cool to see they've been very supportive of each other, for sure. Last thing before we hit a break, there's one concerning thing for Denver right now. One. There's not a lot. This game was very good. It was very positive. But if there is one thing that I'm looking at, it is Aaron Gordon. Zero points tonight. Zero of six from the field. And it wasn't like Denver wasn't trying to get him involved either. They tried desperately at times to work him into his comfort zones. Post-ups, kickouts for three, isolations. Nothing really worked. It was very jarring to see that Gordon was kind of stood up on several occasions, and then when he tried to finish around the rim, he couldn't get anything really close. He's been off on his three of late. Uh, and there's just not really, like, I'm not really sure what he's doing sometimes on the offensive end. Like, some of the thought processes on his shots, on his uh, dribble drives, on his passes, on his decision-making. There's a lot of weird stuff. Uh, The two turnovers that he had tonight, uh, they were awful. They were so, so bad. And he also had a couple plays where his kind of odd movement on the offensive end caused turnovers for Nikola Jokic as well, and for others. He's still getting adjusted. He's still getting uh, used to things here. But over the course of the past five games, he's at 6.2 points per game. 35% from the field. 0% from three. He's 0 of 8. Denver kind of needs him to step up. Baku Campazo has stepped up. Nikola Jokic has improved his game. Michael Porter has improved his game. Without all of the guards, Murray, Barton, Morris, Dozier. Denver has needed additional playmaking, additional scoring. And they haven't really gotten it, not consistently from anybody, other than Jokic and MPJ. Those two have been awesome. But Denver's going to need more than just those two. And Aaron Gordon is by far the third most talented player on the Nuggets. But for whatever reason, 
what he's doing here, what the Nuggets are having him do here, just hasn't worked at all. He looks very uncomfortable. He's not getting to his spots. And could some of that be lineup-based, like given the fact that he started next to Millsap and MPJ? Sure. In the last podcast, I said, I don't think that there's going to be a large Aaron Gordon jump coming because I think that Michael Porter gets a lot of his shots in that span. A lot of the shots that Aaron Gordon would usually like, Michael Porter is getting those within the flow of Denver's offense. So, Aaron Gordon has to kind of tailor his game around that and around what Jokic is doing too. So we're going to see how he can adjust and whether he could adjust. He's talented enough that he can do it, but it's also annoying because I don't think anything that he has done offensively has really contributed to what Denver is doing. And he's trying to figure it out, and it's been like this for a while, and Denver's still winning despite that because they're a really, really good basketball team, and Nikola Jokic is incredible. But that's been the story of the Nuggets for eons. And they're going to need more in a playoff series if they're going to advance. They're going to need more than six points per game. It's got to be 12 to 15 from Aaron Gordon. It's got to be efficient. It's got to be better than what it is right now. It's been weird. Hopefully he bounces back. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to do more mailbag questions. We are going to be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Uh, Let us go into the mailbag. I don't think there's anything more I want to talk to about the New York game. So let's do mailbag. Got some good questions from the last time I asked. So thank you so much. Going to continue what I did last podcast. CT Fazio asks, do you see Malone trying to get AG more involved offensively? Maybe running more pick and roll. It's tough because I don't think so. I don't think that an Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic pick and roll with the ball in Aaron Gordon's hands is going to take a lot of, like, I think you're going to see a lot of collapsing on the paint. And the Nuggets don't like that, especially if they're going to run a, a system with uh, Faku at the point, MPJ out there, and Paul Millsap out there. Paul Millsap sneakily shooting, I think, below 25% from three in the second half of the season. Hasn't been talked about a lot, but that is what is happening. So, having Aaron Gordon run, pick, and roll, you'd want floor spacers around him. So if they had better floor spacers, then I would say yes. Then, like, Michael Porter's a great floor spacer. Don't get me wrong. Maybe Faku can do it. But with Millsap out there, With Jokic, you want him to have more space than what he does. I think that Aaron Gordon pick and rolls are just going to kind of turn into mid-range pull-ups and turnarounds and things like that. Maybe Jokic then gets dumped the ball at the at the elbow or the the nail or something like that. I don't know. Feels bad. I I haven't really been impressed with what I've seen from AG. That one Nugget guy asks. 
do you think a Monte Shaquille Harrison backcourt would work in the playoffs if Will and PJ don't if they can't play? Uh, yes, I do think that would work, and here's why. If Denver is going to play, let's say they're going to face the the Dallas Mavericks in the first round. You're going to want, like, there are going to be times, I think, where you're going to want Aaron Gordon to be getting a break, if he gets into foul trouble, if there are going to be other options for defending Luka Doncic, I think that Shaquille Harrison is one of them. He's one of the best defenders on the team. And though he's a little undersized to deal with Luka, he does have long arms, he does have good athleticism, and he has great hands. So, putting him on Luka, trying to get Luka sped up a little bit, uh, maybe take the ball out of his hands, maybe play some denial, that would be a good idea. If they try to post him up, you might live with that. Maybe you just double off the catch. Maybe you just try to get the ball out of his hands a little bit. But I think that that's going to be an option. Maybe that's for when Luca's off the court and you're going up against a, a backcourt that includes like Jalen Brunson and Tim Hardaway Jr. or something like that. Put Shaquille Harrison on one of those guys and you feel pretty good about it. But we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. I don't think a Mavericks mac- matchup is set in stone by any sway of the word, but if it's the Blazers, then you're going to need Shaq in, that, in those cases where you're going to need somebody to defend. You're going to need somebody to uh, match up with those elite guards. And Shaq has shown better than anybody on this roster, about, just about, that he can do that against those smaller guards. I like what Shaq Harrison has done for sure. He has earned more playing time. And I just hope that we get to see Monte on the floor soon. Been a while since we've seen Monte Morris, folks, and, and I don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. It would not surprise me if Faku Campazo stayed in the starting lineup. I think that Faku's been better as a starter anyway, so we might actually see that. And then you might see Monte and Shaq Harrison in the backcourt. If that's the case, it's going to get a little weird. You, you don't know what's what's really going to happen in this case, but I'd be very interested to see how Denver handles it. Brad asks, at this point, what does Bull Bull have to do to play? Even though the injuries are unfortunate, they've given some guys more PT and the ability to grow into roles will need them to play even when fully healthy, i.e. MPJ. Even if Bull isn't a part of the future, he needs a chance. I disagree. First of all, all of the injuries have happened to the guards, and Denver has had to pivot, and it's unfortunate. Sorry, bump my mic. It's unfortunate that all of the injuries have happened to the guards, because if some of them happened to, like if, let's say, Monte was still healthy, but you had Paul Millsap who needed a few days, you had Jamichael Green who needed a few days, even Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter. You might be more willing to play bull bull in some of those cases. Try to get him some athleticism. Try to get, get some reps in there for him so that he can work on a little bit more. I got to be honest, though. I am not impressed with bull bull at all. Some of the athletic stuff that he does is great, and 
he has some really impressive dribble moves. But I haven't seen him impact team basketball unless he is blocking shots or hitting threes. He does very little other than that. And it's like he's just not been a good rebounder. He has zero offensive rebounds on the season. He's played over 150 minutes now. He should have one offensive rebound. But he doesn't because he never goes inside the three-point line because that's what he wants to do when he's out there in garbage time. He floats. Doesn't really do anything. And then on the defensive end, I haven't been impressed with him either because there are so many times where he is switched out onto somebody and goes hunting for their three-point shot and then can't get to the three-point shot and then those guys hit it over him. When he presses up, they go around him and then it compromises Denver's defense anyway. I do not get the bull bull love other than the fact that it feels like a lot of Nuggets Nation treats him like a mascot sometimes because he's seven foot two and can dribble. Like, I don't get it. There are so many great things to care about for this Nuggets team. And I hope that Bull Bull can figure it out. But he has so far to go. So far. And people just calling for his name every time. Like, when they go to the arena, it's the middle of the third quarter in a contested game. People shout down to Coach Malone, we want to see Bull Bull. Bull Bull's had plenty of opportunities in practice and in workouts to try to make things better, to try to earn time. There's a reason why he still isn't in that position. It's, there's a reason why they still don't trust him that much. I want to see them be able to trust him, but they don't. And you got to imagine that there's a reason why for that. He has to earn it. He hasn't yet. So we'll see whether he can. I would love to see him in the rotation at some point. I would love to see him get some opportunities. Maybe once Denver decides they want to wind down their schedule a little bit, and they don't want to try too much, then they do that. That'd be great. I'd love to see Bull Bull. But to say that he needs to play, he needs a chance, what does he have to do? Well, he should be doing more than what he's doing right now. Maybe he should grab an offensive rebound. Maybe he should pass. There are other things that he could do. And clearly he hasn't done a lot of them. He loafs around a lot. And it's too bad, because he's very talented. Omar asks, last question before we get out of here. The Mavericks' schedule is fairly easy compared to the Lakers. Should Denver just rest up to try to settle for the fourth seed? They'll have the best odds at facing the Mavericks and setting up for an LA versus LA first round matchup. Now that would be the ideal. That would be the ideal situation. I think Nuggets fans would want that. They would want to put the LA teams on one side of the bracket while the Nuggets are on the other side. And they have to face either the Mavericks or the Blazers, and then whoever of Utah or Phoenix advances from the first round. And we'll see what happens there. And we'll see if that makes sense. But 
I am not sure that LA is going to be a six seed or a seven seed or whatnot. They might be the five. Uh, Matt Moore at HP Basketball on Twitter, you should know him. He has projection systems, and a lot of them say that the Lakers are going to be the five seed. So, if you're the Nuggets, you've been resting up and trying to, to get into that four seed, and the Lakers just happen to waltz in there right at the end. That's tough. That'd be a really tough situation. Denver could probably avoid it. I think that's probably what's going to happen. They'll probably lose a couple here or there, and they'll probably drop to the four seed. And if that happens, I don't expect the Lakers to get up to the five. I don't agree with Matt. I don't agree with his projection systems that the Lakers can get up. They can get up to the five. I just don't think they will. But let's say they win against the Clippers tomorrow. Let's say they win against the Blazers on Friday. The Lakers. That puts them in a higher position to get five, which means that if you're Denver, you want to get the three. You want to go all out. Because if you get the three, and the Lakers are the five, and the Clippers are in the four, then you've accomplished the same thing. But you've done it on your terms. And you've done it while winning, which is important in my opinion. Denver has six more games. They have a four-game road trip after they face the, the Jazz on Friday and the Nets on Saturday. I'm pretty sure they face uh, the Hornets, the, the Pistons, the, the T-Wolves, and the Blazers. So Denver could go 6-0 and in those games if they wanted to. Or not 6-0, and but on that road trip, they could go 4-0. and They probably won't. My guess is at that point, they'll probably rest against the Blazers in that final game. But it might depend on what's going on. Like if the Nuggets see that the Lakers are going to get the five seed and they have to win the last game in order to get the three seed, it's pretty tough. So if that happens, we'll see how they handle it. We'll see what the Nuggets do. I think it is important to keep your options open at this point which means that I don't think that they should just rest up. They shouldn't just settle for the four. I think that they need to play it out. I think that they need to stay close to the Clippers and then try to dictate things down the line. We'll see if that happens. We'll learn a lot more after this Friday where Denver plays Utah and after the Lakers have another two games. They'll play the Clippers on Thursday and they will play the Blazers on Friday. Those are two very, very big games for trying to determine where the seedings are going to go. Once we see that, I'll have more info. But for now, that is going to do it on this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate all of the love and the support. You guys are great. Keep it up. It gets me through the day. I will be back uh, either tomorrow with a guest or on Friday night, Saturday morning to, uh, to talk about that game. So we will just have to play that by ear, wait and see. But until then, we'll talk to you guys very soon.
Thank you.